Barke, tell us, tell, tell me and the audience. I of course know a little bit about your life, but I want to know your life story for the next five, seven, nine, ten minutes. Take your time and tell us your life story right from childhood to the age of sixteen when you were forced into a coerced into a arranged marriage and the traumatic journey thereon and how you have not broken down even though you had a very traumatic journey but you've broken through and now you're helping others to break through so it's exactly 704 for the next 10 minutes i just want to hear you speak about your story please tell us Thank you and uh, wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Namaste to everyone else. Uh, thank you so much for this opportunity, Jerry, and for everyone else who haven't heard about my story. Now, I was born like everybody else, yes, I'm not an uh, alien, even though I thought I was, but uh, I had a mom and dad, and um, the thing is, I only remember living with my grandmother. I didn't know what age was it. I asked, uh, didn't get the answer. I wanted to know why. Why was I living with my grandmother? What did I do wrong? Or what have I done that was a big scene or a big, big thing that I had to be taken out of my family house? But nobody can tell me and I couldn't ask those questions because I was scared. What if they threw me out too? <laughs> what will happen to me? Now, at the age of, I would say, six, eight, between those time, I was going through sexual abuse at the time as well with someone who was close to the family that I was so scared to even say anything about that. I didn't put that in my book, so when you're reading, it's not going to be there because I wasn't ready to actually share that. Now, the second book that's coming, I call it second book, even though I've wrote other books, but um, that one is more about sexually, about women, so that's going to be a bit different thing. But um, growing into that times, and my my grandmother, she's an amazing woman. She was really, we had our own routine. Well, it's amazing. It's fun with her. I know what she wants. We're going to, I make it happen and everything else. But as soon as my grandfather comes along, because he used to be a tour guide and, uh, you know, Kenya is all about safari. So he's a tour guide and he will come home once in a while. Now, when he comes home, there's adjustment time. I will, you know, I'll get in trouble. He will beat me up. I used to hate being beaten. So I will be, I have to actually get, you know, faster way of understanding. Okay, my grandfather's here. Stop joking around and just do what you need to do. And uh, that's, the beating would stop <laughs> because I'm like, okay, the rules and regulations, everything is here. So I have to watch out. But um, at the age of 12, I thought everything was good you know, a teenager or riding a bike sometimes and you're not allowed as a Islamically, they used to believe that, oh, you're going to ruin your your virginity if you ride a bike as a woman or if anything happens to you and things like that. So we're not allowed to ride a bike. And so when my grandfather hears about these things, I get a beating, guys. Okay. So it wasn't that great. But then... So my grandmother came to me and, um, okay, let me go back uh, when I was nine first. Uh, my grandmother came to me and said to me, Barke, um, your dad died. 
and I was like, I don't know him so much, but I didn't know how the effect of that would do to me. But I was just like, okay. <laughs> I didn't say or do anything. I was just like, okay, I was nine. <laughs> I don't know what to expect, you know. Even though when he used to come and visit me, I remember his shadow standing on the doorstep. And he will watch over me. And I will be, the only thing that I really, really want to do is actually be close to him. I just want to know how, or how, how it is, you know, how close he's going to be. What is he going to say to me? And so when someone tells me your dad is around in the mosque area, fetching water and things that I run, I'll just go there and just be with my dad. But then he will take me and was like, when he's finished, put me in the car with my siblings. And I will look at this, my siblings and I'll be like, you don't know how life is, you know. It's like, you're so lucky to have this man in your life. You're so lucky to be driven up and down and things like that. And then it will be around the corner and he will be like, okay, Barke, you can go home now. And I'm like... I don't want to go home. I want to come with you. You know, so when I was told my dad died, I was a bit sad. But then at the same time, I was just a child. So I didn't know the effect. Anyway, on his funeral, I saw my mom. And my mom was very sad. It was She's a fair lady, okay? So she's kind of whiter skin than mine, as you can see. And uh, so her hair was all shaved. And she looked very sad. And she just had a baby, like three-month-old baby. And my dad died. So I was just like, what's happening, you know? Because uh, my grandmother was there. This is my mother's father. And she's the stricken one, okay? And you, you don't want to be close to that woman. You're telling you. She's scary. So for me, I was when I heard that they're going to live with her in Zanzibar. So from Kenya, they're going to Zanzibar. And I was so excited because I'm not going with them. I'm glad to be not to be around them, you know? I'm okay with that. But then I looked at my siblings and I was like, now they know how I feel kind of thing. Because my dad's gone. And now we all kind of, you know, we don't have a father now. And so at the age of 12, my grandmother came to me and she sat down next to me. She sounded very unhappy. I didn't know. I was just looking at her and I felt something. And she asked me, Bariki, what do you think of going to Zanzibar? My father, when he was alive, he used to take us every, every uh, once a year to Zanzibar because that's where his families are and my mom's family. So it's kind of like a holiday. And that's what I thought is going to be a holiday. Yeah. I looked into my grandmother. She sounds, she doesn't, because usually she doesn't ask me these things. I was like, why is she asking me? But you know, as a child, you can't say anything. Anyway, I was quiet. I was just like, I don't know. <laughs> You're the grown up. So anyway, packed my bags. I was shipped. Yes. In the boat, I was shipped to Zanzibar coming out of the port, you know, and I'm looking around. I'm like, Oh my God, it was so busy. And, um, a woman shouted my name. Barke. I was like, yes. I looked up and I saw this beautiful, beautiful lady looking at me. And I'm like, who are you? <laughs> and she's just looked at me and she's like, I'm your mom. I was like, what? I've got a mom. Oh my God. That was so amazing. I looked at this amazing lady and all I could think of is 
I just want to hug her so much. I just want to be close to her. I don't know if you ever watched the monster movies. Okay, Monster Inc. There's a green monster that, um, you know, it looks like... A, I hope it is the right movie anyway. It's, it's like a jelly and he loves hugging. So every time he hugs someone, they go inside of him. And it's so funny. They have to bring it out. So I want it to be like that. So... And I looked at my mom, she took me and I was just staring at her, really literally staring at her all the way home. And uh, she didn't say anything. She was just smiling. And um, we got home and it was one compartment with two houses inside. One is my uncle and one is our house. Our house we're living in with my grandmother and my auntie and my mom and my siblings. So it was a full on house, yeah? And uh, so what happens is that I started to be kind of like an observer because I was started watching everybody. I've never lived with so many people in the house, you know, it was just me and my grandmother. And uh, so what happened is that you guys, you have to understand, I was a tomboy, okay? I had my hair short, I wear trousers, and I like to just, you know, go up and do what I need to do. My grandmother sat me down and said to me, okay, now from now on, you are going to let your hair grow, and you have to wear dresses, because women don't wear trousers. And I was like, oh, okay. And um, so I had to follow the rules. But then... What happened is that I started listening and I started looking and observing what everyone is acting, how they do things and uh, what is happening, you know. my It was a family fun because they used to love taking us to, you know, picnics in the beaches and things like that. I love it. It's amazing. It's Zanzibar. But the, the inside of the house, my grandmother used to have this habit of saying, you know, you children killed your dad. Now you come here and you kill, you want to kill me. And I was like, how can she say that? But then I, you can't ask, you know, you can't say anything. So, and then the way she was acting, she was like, the food will be cooked, yeah? And when the food is cooked, she will take all the meat or she'll take all the fruits and she'll hide it in a room. But then when the food starts to get off, she will take it out. Okay, eat children, eat, eat. And I'm like... This doesn't make any sense, you know? And um, another thing was that she has this habit. My uncle, who's uh, looking after her, us financially, he's the one who lives in Saudi Arabia at the time. And uh, when they, she's in a call with, her, with him, she used to say to him that, don't worry about these children. All these girls are bad. They're horrible. They're, you don't need to send your money to them. They don't need to go to school. Girls don't go to school. No, 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 no. They're just going to get married and they go to their husbands. You don't need to worry about it. You look after your sister's uh, children because they're bo all boys. They are more. They need you. They're our investment. They're the children, not, not these ones. And I was like, wow. You know, how can you say that? And anyway, one day... I hate chaos, okay? I hate I hate people making noise or things like that. And I had, oh my goodness, my sister came to the house. Next thing, my uncle came and started beating her. I ran to the bedroom. I went to the bed, underneath the bed, and I'm shaking, literally shaking my myself, and I'm just so scared. And what happened is that hearing all of this going on, my sister got away and ran to the toilet. She closed the door and my uncle didn't get in time. So he couldn't break the door. He couldn't open the door. 
few minutes later, my uncle left. And my aunt, my grandmother went to the door, knock on the door and said, hey, they called my sister's name. It's okay, I'm here. You can open the door now. And my sister loves her grandmother so much. She opened the door. When she opened that door, my uncle came in and finished the job. In, in where I was, I was so angry. I kind of like re reject, what you call it, um, brought my dad kind of in front of me. And I said to him, why did you have so many children? Why did you leave us and die? And you left us, you left us with a burden. Nobody wants us. They treat us less so badly. Look at your wife, I said. My mom, she's like a Cinderella. She has to clean. She has to do things. She has to, I just, I don't like it. Why? And then I went and started looking at the side. I'm like, God, why did you create me as a girl? Girls are bad. They're weak. They can't do anything. I'm so little. I want to be, I want to be a grown up. I want to do something about this. I want to help my mom. I want to take her away from this misery. I want to do something. Can you please take me out of here? Take me to a country that I can help, that I can do things for myself and I can help my family. Take them out of this poverty. I don't care what you do, what's, what's going to happen, but just take me out. Anyway, at the, my, grand, my uncle, okay, even though he does beat us up, I got only once maybe a slap on her face, but he used to be my favorite person, okay? Um, he used to bring tourists in the house and I love languages. So I love speaking um, English and um, French was my favorite language. I was always failing Swahili, my own language, and Arabic. I was always the last. Trust me, it was, yeah, that bad. But um, so when he brings them, I speak with them and then we create a um, rapport. So for him, he gets a good relationship with his clients. So when they come back, they will use him again. This time, my aunt, my um, my auntie, when I was, I came back from school, and I was working so hard in school to show that, look at my qualifications. You know, you look at what I'm doing. I'm the first in class every year. So keep keep me in school. You know what I mean? That's what I'm in my head. I'm like projecting up to them, and I'm like, come on, you know, I'm doing great here, yeah. And at one time, I was so upset, I written a letter to my grandmother. And I wrote that letter, and I was so, I was crying. And I was like, please come and get me. I don't know what I did. Please forgive me. Whatever I did, just forgive me. I'll be the best granddaughter ever. Just come and pick me up, please. And I put this letter, and I sent it to, gave it to my uncle. I never saw it back. I saw my grandmother came to visit me. She sent me bras. I didn't have boobs at the time. So it was like, okay, thank you. But I couldn't even say to her anything. I couldn't tell her. I just, I just let go. So at the age of 15, my, my auntie came to wake me up after school. I was, I'd have a nap after school. Uh, she, she called me, Barke, your uncle needs you. And I thought, oh, another tourist. Yeah, another tourist came. I put on my lovely gown and I went there. When I got there, I was like, who's this? You know, because usually, okay, tourists in a, our country is a white person, okay? You're meeting someone who's black and you're like, hmm, what's going on here, you know? So I was like, 
okay i was guarded and i was like i'm not saying anything here so and then this man started speaking swahili as well and i was like oh, okay something is going on here and i looked at my uncle and he started asking me personal questions like oh can i see can i have a photo of you i'm like what no photo of me i looked at my uncle i was like oh, what's going on I don't, no i don't have any photo of me and then he was like oh what about school and things like that where i you know what you're doing in schools and i was like they never asked me personal questions this is weird so i looked at my uncle and i was just like can i go please because nah, i'm not answering anything anyway i went back to the house the next door house five minutes later all I hear people screaming in the house. And I'm like, why are they screaming? What's going on? You know? And I went to the living room and I'm like, what, what's happening? He said, yes. I'm like, what do you mean? He said, yes. Who said yes? He said, yes. Well, like, who said yes? The man, the man you saw, he wants to marry you. And I was like, what? What do you mean? He wants to who? What? Uh, me? Nah, I'm, I'm doing good at school. And I'm just like, no. And I thought, it happens before trust me my sister she got engaged and then they changed their mind yeah so i'm like this man's gonna change his mind it's not gonna happen yeah so one year i was taken out of school and i started to be taught how to be a wife so lessons i had to learn how to cook <laughs> i had to learn how to wash up and how to be a good wife okay and nothing else about you is about looking after your husband at the age of 16 i got married i at that year people thought in school i had some people they were questioning my sisters they're like oh but she's pregnant or something <laughs> That's why she's been taken out of school. And I'm like, no, but I couldn't say anything. Nobody knows what happened. Anyway. And, and, and at this at this time, you were 16 years old. Yes. Yeah, so they waited for one year. Yeah. Okay. Right. And at that time, so I was just really, I, my mother-in-law and my father-in-law, they came. So like eight months, I was living with them. And they were just telling me stories about this man that I'm going to marry. So I fell in love with them. You know what I mean? And I was just like, okay, this is good. So I was living with my in-laws for nearly eight months or so. And because she's a, she's a white lady, my in-law. And uh, so English for me was, I, I love it. So it was really good. And we get along really well. Anyway, um, I met his brother. Uh, he was totally different from my husband at the time. And kind of like, okay, I was very strict in a way that I didn't know what this is, okay? I didn't want to get married. I told, my grandmother called me to her bedroom and uh, she said to me, Barke, you're getting married. And I was just like, no, I don't want to get married. And she looked at me, Barke, you are getting married and I was like, no, I don't want to get married. I got a slap on my face twice. And I looked at her and I was like, what's the point in fighting? Okay. And I was just like, okay, whatever it is, it is. Yeah. And I started praying. I started, I didn't have a friend. I didn't have anyone to talk to. So I went to God. I went to God and I said to God, nothing will happen except you have to will it. You have to make, make it happen. 
So you're the only one who can make miracles as well. So here I am. Okay. I'm going to pray and I'm going to read the Quran and I'm going to fast and I'm going to do whatever it takes, but I need, I need answers, you know? Anyway. And I said at the end, I was like, okay, this thing is going to happen. That means you have a plan for me. That means there's a bit, there's a bigger reasons that I'm not seeing yet. So what I done yeah, I actually enjoyed my wedding day. <laughs> I had fun. I danced all night and I enjoyed myself because in our country, when you get married, it's a, a married for life. There's no such thing as divorce. So, right. uh, And this now, are you in Tanzania or are you in Kenya? Tanzania, Zanzibar. Tanzania. Yeah. All right, Zanzibar. Okay. And then he came and we got married September 2000. And that is when, as well, a few days later, I actually took a plane and come to UK. And uh, my life started now. At the beginning, it was, I've never lived in a flat before. <laughs> I felt like, wow. <laughs> When you, when, you, when you say flat, you mean like an apartment block, high-rise buildings. Yes. And, and, and most of the time in Tanzania, you were you were in a house. Yes. Yeah. So Always. It must have been a it must have been a culture shock for for you coming from Tanzania. You know, black Muslim woman married to a white from the UK. No, he's what, a, what, he's what, black. He's black. Okay, okay. I thought you. I I thought you said your fa the family was white. My in law, one of them, the the oh, mother is, is white. white. Okay, okay. Yeah. So that that's what I wanted to clarify. Yeah, for the, yeah. For the for the audience also. Okay, mm -hmm. great. But okay. he's 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 African. So he okay. he came. So, 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 he was so, adopted. So one, of, so one of his parents is is white. No, 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 no. So, his um his mum. Okay. Yes. His mom is from is from Zanzibar. He's a teacher, all right. and his family is well known because they are, all of them are teachers and the Arabic, uh, the Quran teachers as well. So okay. what happened so is they, that they, they they teach the Quran. Yeah, teach the Quran, but also the teachers in schools as well. So what happened and, is and, that and, and that is that is the mother. Yes. The mother. Okay. So the mother right. is the her brother. Her brother who was living in UK couldn't have children. So, okay. and she was going through divorce at the time. So she had a little one as well. And she had a right. big, she had a daughter as well at the time. So what happened is that they took two boys for her. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So they adopted two boys from the sister and they brought them okay. into UK. One was four years old and the other one, my husband, who was 11 when he came here. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, and the husband was white? No, the husband was the African. Okay. The wife is the English lady. Okay, okay. The wife yeah. is the English lady. All yes. right. So, so that's what I want to clarify. Yeah. The husband is from, from Tanzania. Yes. Comes from a teacher's family. Yes. Okay. Because, yeah. yeah. So yeah. you kept saying he and she, so I was a little confused. <laughs> yeah. So those are my <laughs> in-laws. Okay, that's when they on. became yeah. my in-laws. Yeah. Now, right. I came to uh, London, to UK. And the culture shock, but it was, it was nice at the same time. Uh, weird because I didn't even know like my clothes size, my bra size or nothing. I was just wearing, I went back to, to become a tomboy. So truck suits, <laughs> short hair, simple, make it very simple for myself. Now, right. straight away, I got pregnant. 
uh by november i found out i was pregnant my first child after my first child it was very quickly i got pregnant again on my second child now uh, life at the time for me it was really i didn't even feel like i would kind of existed i was there for living with looking after the children making sure my husband is looked after making sure my children are okay so my kind of my life it became non-existent because i just had to do things and i had to i have so much responsibility and time went on <clears throat> i've always had dreams i've always had that fire inside of me i wanted to do something but i didn't know what i wanted and i had that belief that one day if i showed if i showed this uh, if i show my husband that i'm supportive i'm a good wife i care about right. him i look after him and he will give me that support back that's my ex my expectation from him and, and and how old were you by now so at that time i was what i would say 19 20 so you you you, you had two children before the age of 20 yes my second okay. child, I was 18. All right. And uh, uh, children are boys, girls? Girl and a boy. So the daughter is the first one and then the son, uh, the second child. Wow, excellent. And, Bob, uh, and you had the second child at 18 and the first at 17, is it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, brilliant. Great. So, 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 so it, it's, it's something which a lot of people in India will identify with because, you know, in India also we are... Uh, though, though, though we though we worship a lot of goddesses, uh, we are still a patriarchal uh, society, mm. right? Uh, so, so patriarchal society is not just Abrahamical cultures like uh, uh, Judaism, Islam, and Christianity. It's it's prevalent the world over, and I think I think that that that's one of the reasons uh, that the world is in a bad state today because we've never understood the gender balance. So I'm happy to. To learn all this from you go ahead go ahead with this story <laughs> so for me my life i just uh like every birthday um i had this uh, desire of wanting to learn something so i will actually enroll myself to your college and within that time i would love to learn until they ask me you have to do a test or you have to do a an essay and I will run. I will run a mile. I was so scared. I had this fear of failure. And I was I couldn't take it. But what happened is that I realized I wanted something. I wanted to help people. So at the first thing I did was that I saw on TV one day advertisement of PCSOs and that is police community support officers. Because I, be, I didn't believe myself that I can become a police officer. So when they did the police community support officer, that's a lower than the police officer. And I was like, oh, I can do that. <laughs> so I was so excited. I went to my husband and I was just like, I'm looking for his blessing. Okay. And I went to him and I was like, oh, I've got an idea. I know what I want. You know, I want to become a PCSO. And he looked at me really there's nothing no reaction on the face you know expecting like a child comes to you and you're like hey what's happening you know nothing and um and i was like come on think about this if i become a pcso 
A year later, I can become a police officer. After that, I can actually be, because there's a, a ladder you can climb. I can even become a detective. Can you imagine that? You know, I'm selling it to him. Nothing. And for me, I thought he would understand because he works in a police station. He's a police staff. And all he said to me was that, that's not for you. That job is not for you. And I'm like, what do you mean? It's not for you. You don't even have a degree. You don't have anything. How can you work? How can you become a police officer? And I'm like, they're training us. You know, they're going to give you training. And he looked at me. I was like, no. If you become a police officer, you'll have, they, if you, do you know what they're doing? I work with them. I know. And I'm like, what do you mean? Most of them, they will have affairs. Most of them, they will break their marriages. Most of them, they will do this. And I was like, that's not the point though. I'm not going to do that. I promise you. I'm, I'm faithful. <laughs> so he, he, he was doing a mild version of gaslighting with you. Yes, but I didn't know anything about those things at the time. So, right, and I was right. like, no, I mean it. I want to do this. And that is the first kind of disagreement that we have in our marriage. And even like it went to the point that I had to talk to his father. And I was like, I don't understand. You know, I, I really don't understand. I really couldn't understand. How can he say no? You know? And so I talked to his father and I was like, please explain it to me. You know? And he was like, oh, you have to listen to your husband. And I'm like, but you're not getting the point here. We're going to buy a house if we get that job. We're going to do this. It's going to help us so many. He complains about everything. And I want to help. And so he said to me, my husband, what if you just go and work in a cashier, you know, in a, uh, what you call it, um, you know, like uh, Tesco's um, shopping centers and things right. like that. Right, but, like a supermarket or yes. a hypermarket. Yes, yeah. okay. And so because the, because the, the, those are jobs meant for women like me, is, is what he's trying to tell you. But I couldn't see myself doing those jobs. Right. And so because for he me, trying, he was trying to put you in a box. Yes. Thinking because because he's already done the gaslighting with you, made made you kind of doubt your own self-esteem, made you doubt your own uh, ability. Mm. And now he's trying to again put you into a box by saying you can only do something like this, yes. like a retail salesperson. Mm. So that, that that's exactly how many men the world over manipulate the women to make them think that they're inferior without realizing that, exactly you know, that 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 if you just kind of understand how equality works and how how the other gen all genders not just the female gender but even you know you know unfortunately the world over we don't have respect even for the other genders like the lgbtq gender mm -hmm. and i think that also is a manifestation of the patriarchal mindset which is advocated in most religions yeah. you know i'm all i've always tried to figure that if adam and eve were created by god and you know i'm not a believer in god like i told you before i don't believe in god or any religion but if if god was this almighty powerful person who could create adam out of nothing mm. why was he a misogynist to create eve out of adam's rib why could he not create her also from nothing you know, so so the, so so sometimes the the holy scriptures completely 
befuddle you. They, they confuse you. And, and that's how I stopped believing. But anyway, okay. go, go ahead. Well, that's another thing we have to talk about that another time. But um, <clears throat> but end of the day, so what I, I said to him, I was like, I can't see myself doing that job. So he said to me, what about teaching? And I was like, that was part of my list uh, that I wanted to do in my life. So I was like, okay, let me try that. Yeah. So okay. I went because my children at this time, they're still young. And so in the nursery that my daughter went, I applied to go to become a nursery nurse and I did it for over a year. After that, my children went to uh, primary. <clears throat> I also did a, uh, um, again, I applied to become, you know, assistant into the school. But the thing is, I started finding myself that I don't like it because the smell is different. I don't know. It's just, it's, there's a weird smell that I used to have this. And then the noise of children in a school come back home. There's children making noise. It was, I was just having migraines after migraines and I couldn't take it. My, it was, it, it was really unsettling for me. And I even, after my children, they were starting to get ready to go to, um, you know, at the time, they're still in primary school. I also apply for the disability um, assistant in a secondary school. And I did that as well. At this time, while I'm doing that, part-time, I'm also doing a mother's group. Uh, we were doing sewing. And I was going through my own turmoil of the sewing and things like that. Because my father, when I went to Zanzibar, I found out because we had uh, sewing machines in our house and I was so happy. I wanted to learn about sewing. But then when I heard, Oh, who saw, who bought these sewing machines to, for us, I was so mad. My father bought us every, because he, he knew, okay. He had girls. Okay. So he bought every girl a sewing machine. But what I didn't understand was that I was so angry because I was like, again, why would he give us wanting us to do a job of a, a kind of like a minor job? You know what I mean? It's a, why we had to become a so you know a seamstress? Why do we have to do that? So I was so angry with my dad at the time, even though he's dead. I was so angry he chose that for us. So when I when I went to this club of sewing club and I was I was so angry that I didn't even want to touch a sewing machine and I just couldn't understand it. But then I had epiphany and I was like, oh, Barke, think about it. Like my mom, she didn't have a career. She didn't have a job. She couldn't pay or say anything about her own children growing up. So I thought to myself, my dad actually was clever. Even though if nothing works, there's a sewing machine here you can use and make money. So I thought to myself, oh, so it's like a fail kind of switch, kind of, you know what I mean? It's like a safety fail thing my dad was creating. He didn't say that you have to. He just put it there. It's there to use. You can make money with it. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm fine. I'm cool with it now. I can go and sew. I can do the sewing machine. And I did. And it was amazing. And after that, in Christmas time, we went to the, you know, Canary Wharf, if you ever heard of it, is the most beautiful place and lots of offices. And I went there for the first time and we did a big sale. 
I was so good at it. I felt like, oh my God, I could be a saleswoman. You know what I mean? I was like, wow. And after that, I was given my 300 pounds. First time I got paid for what I did. I was so happy. I ran home again to my husband. I'm so excited. I felt like I had like 300,000 in my hands. Yeah. And I was showing him. I'm like, can you have a look at this? It's all mine. You know, and I was so happy. He looked at me like, that's it. <laughs> so, 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 Barky, all the gaslighting is happening. Now, you know, in the next three to four minutes, when did you take that step? Because, you know, because the, your, your, your family also didn't want you to get divorced because divorce has a stigma in your community, in your religion. But when is it that you de decided to take that step to become independent, move on on your own, and how old were your children at that time? If you could come to that part. Before I come to that part, first of all, I have to tell this part of knowing what was happening. Because before when, like you said, the gaslighting and all these things that was happening, I didn't know. I wasn't aware. So my children were still young at this time. <clears throat> and what happened is that I, I heard on TV that there is a scheme for key workers key workers is the people who work in the government especially nurses doctors um teachers police staff or police themselves they will get a grant to help them buy the first home so i was so excited and i told him about this he was he didn't listen to me but then a few weeks later he came back home and he said he's gonna do it i was like oh, yes first time he listened yes i was so happy so he applied and this is the thing about my husband at the time he when he applied for something or when he put himself forward for something he gets it one time he gets it and i was so envious with him about that so i was so happy and i was like yes we're gonna do it yeah he sent me this um he saw uh, he he gave it to me this like kind of a certificate the way it looks and it tells you fifty thousand for the deposit for the money i was so happy i looked at that fifty thousand i was like yeah and uh, I was like, okay, let's go, let's go. Which way are we going to live? I was like, I don't even know London. I don't even know anywhere, yeah? And I don't care. Just let's find a home. We were taking too long. And I, told, I asked my brother-in-law, okay? I said to him, he already owns his own house. He has his own business. And I asked him, can you please come and help us and find our home? He did. He found time. He gave us time. And I was so happy. We found this beautiful place in Luton. Okay. A lot of people knows Luton. <laughs> so I was like, oh, this is amazing. So we're in the car. Well, his brother's already gone. We're in the car. And I said to him, can I see that piece of paper again, please? So this time I have time because I'm excited. Tomorrow we're going to go for, to offer. And this piece of paper is going to play a big part. So I looked at this piece of paper and I was reading it now. You know when you, you what they tell you, anything that they, anyone gives you or contract on it, you need to read the fine print? Right. So I was reading this fine print, okay? And I was like, <gasps> I was like oh my God. I looked at him. I looked at the piece of paper. And I was like, did you see this? And he looked at me. He didn't say anything. And I was like, did you see it? And the words came out of his mouth. I've never had anyone would say those kind of words. And he said to me, who's going to pay for the mortgage? <laughs> I'm like, uh, uh, 
<laughs> who's gonna pay for the mortgage i'm like let's get the house i will even put on few hours somewhere i'll do it and he was like you have nothing to give me or you have nothing to show for yourself what have you got you have no education you have no income you what what is that you you can give me right do right. you think so, i want to buy a house so, with you he said to me Okay, okay. So what happened there yeah. is that actually made me aware that this man is not my husband. What he's right. saying is not the way it's supposed to. But I right. couldn't go anywhere. I looked at my child. There's nowhere for me to go. So I had to surrender to that time until I get myself on my feet. That was the plan. Right. 12 right. years of marriage later, one day I wake up, I saw my face on the mirror. And I was like, who is that auntie? Because I don't know who that is. I've never met her before in my life. I looked at it again and I was like, oh my God, that is me. That day I had an awakening that I am not happy. Things are not working out and I want to be happy. So what happened? I said to him, I'm sorry, but we have, a, I, I, I need my divorce. I can't live like this. So... He thought I was joking when he saw me packing my bags and, and looking and, for and place. You are, you, are, you are 28 years old now. Yes, I'm terrible with math, so I hope so. <laughs> so you to 12 years after marriage. And okay. how old were your children? Uh, my children at the time, they were like 12. So your girl was 12 and your boy was around 11. 10. Yeah. 11 okay. yeah so what happened is that he when he saw me that i was very um serious he called my family and most of them in my family are men so he told right. them there's something wrong with your daughter you need to talk right. to her because she wants a divorce right and i was summoned because i didn't ask for that i was summoned to this call and when i say to them they asked me but what's wrong with you why do you want a divorce you have to understand i've never complained about my husband Nobody knows what was going on in my, house, in my house or in my life. Everyone thought I was happy. And then now they hear, Barke, she wants a divorce. So, right. and then they asked me, what's wrong? And I was like, I just want to be happy. I am not happy. And they said to me, Barke, okay, they use the F word, yeah? But I'm not going to say that. So they said to me, there's no such thing as happiness in this world. There isn't. And I was like, what? It can't be. Come on. Can it? Can, there isn't no there isn't you you've got a husband who looks after you who cares for you just stay with your husband you don't need to go right and i said no i, I can't i'm not happy so they said to me barke if you unless are you are you sleeping with anyone do you have anyone or are you drinking are you taking drugs what's wrong with you and i was like no nothing then we will disown you if you if you go for divorce right I was so scared, I went back to my husband. Two years later, I was started doing, since the day that happened to me in the car when he said those things to me, I started journaling. And I started asking myself, why my marriage is not working? What's wrong with my life? What's happening with me? Two years later, after I tried to leave him, one day I sat in the kitchen and everything, the answers came to me. And I saw him for the first time in my life that is a human being. And everything that I projected is me, my projection, is me, my, the way I expected from him. But he's not. So he could never hit 
or go to that place that I want him to go. So he wasn't, but the thing is, what he wasn't satisfied with me as well is because he as well has his own weaknesses and is a human being. You know what I mean? So first time I saw that and I know deep down and that's when I had clarity in my life and the fear that I used to hold because he used to tell me, Barke, no one will want you. Nobody is going to take you in. You are like, your life is going to be horrible. You're not going to be successful in life. And all those things, all those fears that I had in me, I was so scared. And I was like, no, I don't, I'm not scared anymore. I sat him down. So he basically kind of created that fear psychosis for you and made you feel like a victim in psychological studies. It is called the victim mindset. Yes. So, so, so did you finally divorce him or yeah. did you, do you, did you continue to live with him and is he still with you? What is it now? At, at that time, I actually sat him down and I said to him, we're done. And this time okay. you can call the queen or you can do whatever you need to do, but we're done. I'm not going back right. now. And I actually did that. So what happened so, is so that... You, so you were around 31 or 32 years old at yeah, this time? Yeah. Okay, okay. And I went to... I actually had to take my own divorce petition and going to the court myself. I had to right, walk right. far away, like about four miles to go to the right court and put it in myself. It took me right. a year to get that divorce. It took another right. two years for him to leave the family home. Right. And how, how many years back was this? This was, when he left the house, was 2017. Right, right. And, and, and so, so that's like uh, three, uh, four years ago. Yeah. And, uh, but Barke, you know, you, you, you were not, not a person who, uh, you know, while in the marriage, mm -mm. because of the gaslighting and the way you, he made you feel. And one of the things which men do, very very effectively including men in india because india is also feudal patri patriarchal uh, society mm. and one of the things men do very effectively is instead of encouraging the woman to work and be independent you know the men will always tell the woman that don't worry i will take care of you i will buy you what you want but and the woman doesn't realize that what mm. they're doing is making you financially and economically economically dependent on mm -hmm. them mm -hmm. so and, and 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 that's a very subtle i, I call it very subtle domestic violence yeah. because the woman is not realizing what is happening with her but before we come to that you know you you you, you said for the first time you opened up about the abuse mm -hmm. and the sexual abuse that you faced as a child mm -hmm. was that at the hands of a close family member or or how did that happen? I know you're going to speak about it more in your next book, but if you just want to want to tell about what what is the kind of trauma that left you with for the for, for, from that time? Because you said you were six years old at that time. I felt that I didn't have any trauma with it because I didn't leave or I didn't hold any grudge or anything with it. So so you let go. Yeah. I let go. Nice. Yeah. Because for me, I wanted to know what was, uh, you know, like what is happening or what did I do wrong or whatever. But no, I let that go because it didn't affect me. The problem. So it, was just, it, it was just one instance? No, it was many instances. So it, it happened over a long period of time? Yeah. I would and, say and more, maybe person, two years or one year. Was this person very close to you in the family? It was. Um, 
she, his wife is so his family are our landlord my grandmother's landlord but his wife was a seamstress so i had to go there that's the only time because i had to go there to do my fitting for my clothes so when he opens the door he would do take me to his room to the other room and did you tell your family about it and was he exposed no, no you did not I so you dealt you dealt with this on your own as a no. 6 to 8 a I actually did talk to my friends or my little friends <laughs> my yes, but, 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 but you're dealing with all this uh, yeah. agony as a child who's just 6 to 8 years old because it would happen over 2 years yeah. you know and and we learn more about that from the lessons in your book yes so tell me barke you know i mean interesting name of the book what is your name right yes i i before getting into this you know i want to give you a little background about books i write i write about stories of real heroes mm. like you and mm. i want to feature you in one of our books now called karma kari karishma about how all of us in life have brokenness but when we break we don't give up and break down we yes. persevere to break through like barke and karma kari are all books or uh, which tell stories true stories of real heroes mm -hmm. ordinary heroes who are, who have done extraordinary things to make a difference in our world and in our society mm -hmm. and i was inspired because i think that the world does not really celebrate the real unsung heroes mm -hmm. who are actually the only real heroes because the heroes are not the movie stars and the sports stars and the celebrities that we worship the idol idol worship as i call it and i remember you know around that time when we announced this book in 2010 in the karmavir press conference karmavir awards press conference a journalist told me and she said who will read your books people want to read about movie stars and so i said uh, uh, people want to read about movie stars and sports stars so no one will read your books they won't sell and i said you know what movie stars and sports stars don't inspire me there's ordinary people who are changing the world by moving a mountain or a domestic house help who's built a huge hospital to provide free healthcare or a boy who's never gone to school who's transformed 500 villages from wastelands into wetlands they inspire me because they're changing the world they're changing the country they're changing our society every day mm. and i say i want to be true to myself and i want to tell true stories of real heroes so that our children and uh, youth learn who the real heroes are so tell me what is the inspiration behind your book what is your name and what is the central theme of the book now my story when i was writing it it took me 3 years because there's my father side there's my i was i thought that i dealt with a lot of things but when i start writing you kind of things coming up i was in tears when i was writing about my dad right. because i miss him but then when i was writing about my story especially the like see through my eyes that chapter what was going on right. in my right. marriage and the problems and that happened that's happens. what happens when you when you when you put pen to paper the emotions the feelings the words flow yeah. and 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 no, i mean the keyboard can't do that because no. the moment you pen to paper the thoughts flow directly from your brain onto the paper and it's amazing how the writing just happens automatically naturally so go ahead go ahead i'm 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 just sharing some lessons for the audience as you speak so what happened is that in 2018 when i went back to zanzibar i went back to zanzibar as a divorcee 
as a mm-hmm. single mother, as a woman who is flourishing in our whole in our own journey. I'm coming out as a as an entrepreneur, as a public speaker, coach. And when I was telling my story to these young ladies and my mom, my sisters were in the room, I wasn't scared. I felt free. So what happened is that people are start hearing them. Me too, me too, me too. It happened to me as well. Right, right. And what happened... I was still writing my book at this time. So I actually stopped for a second and I said to myself, Barke, who are you writing your book for? I'm writing for the Barke who is going through right now. Not the Barke that has already gone through and knows where she is, but the Barke is happening to their lives right now. So they can see it early, what's happening. So they know what is the telltales. So they know what they can do early because it took me, it took me 14 years of marriage. I really, if you read my story, the chapter after, after chapter, my, my life wasn't about hurting people. It wasn't about feeling selfish. This is about selfless. This is about going into your power inside and say it's okay. But also knowing and understanding that you went through all of these bad, horrible times of your life and being able to say, I forgive you. I am okay. Looking at myself, when I remember I was underneath that bed and I'm, I'm angry with my dad, I made a promise to myself never to have so many children. And I did that. I didn't have so many children. And another thing was that I was so upset and I called God and I said to God, take me away from this country. Take me to a place where I can flourish, where I can do things, where I can help my family. He did. He did just that. I'm in a country, UK, London, where women can be whoever you want to be. Women can drive. Women can have a business. Women can do whatever you want. You can do. There's even speaker's corner. You can stand there and speak all day long if you want to. But end of the day, there's a freedom. And I was like, oh my God, God gave me all of that. Even though there was pain through it or there's pain what I went through. But even my dad didn't have, you know, I didn't grow up with my mom and dad. Growing up with my grandmother, going to my grandmother. I was like, all of those things, it's like a chain. And I'm like, I have to tell my story. I have to share. Because people look at me now and you'll see me like, you're always smiling, Barke. You're always laughing. I'm like, guys, I've earned this smile. I've worked so hard to gain this smile or to laugh so loud. I am blessed. I am so grateful. So my book is for all the women out there who are going through either education, who are going through, who are suffering from abuse or who are suffering even from themselves. They don't believe in themselves. Even if they feel that, oh my goodness, no one is beside me or no one is around me. Nobody is coming to get me. Or the horrible life, the injustice, the cruelty, the poverty. 
all I'm saying to you, you have you. You absolutely you absolutely. can be your own hero. All you need to That's do is three things. You have a freedom of choice. You have a mindset that you can master and your attitude. If you start with those things and then you bring two more things for you, love and forgiveness. Very nice. And and I'm so much with you and you know I must share this with you Barke we do, we have uh oratory experience which is what we do in corporate gatherings in award functions in annual meetings of business houses uh, associations like uh, uh rotary round table lions bni etc uh, uh even the 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 toastmasters groups we have done it in all the places we call it the magnificent seven <laughs> and the magnificent seven is stories of people who are broken but refuse to break down mm-hmm. and have chosen to break through just like you barke and we would love to feature you because we are now planning a huge live event where we would have people from around the world tell their stories and we we have in our plans to have you as one of the stories which will inspire the people and what you said is so true that when you tell your story you know it 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 works like it 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 employs principles of nlp gestalt and self help support groups or support learning circles mm-hmm. because when you tell your story like you rightly said there, there are other people feeling me too mm-hmm. me too yeah and i think that's exactly how the me too movement mm-hmm. you know which exposed people who were you know doing sexual harassment or even trying to kind of you know uh prey on women mm. was exposed because one woman decided to start me too yeah. on the internet on social media and then the movement went uh, went wild went uh, spread like wildfire mm. but of course not too many were punished though they should be but what you said is absolutely right that when you share your story with mm. all your vulnerability with integrity there are others sitting in the room who say if she can get over this and break through mm-hmm. i can too exactly because we we learn from stories of ordinary heroes and that's exactly <laughs> what inspired me also to start the magnificent seven which is a book called karishma the miracle within the karmakari series mm. these are stories of people who are broken but not broken down they broken through just mm. like you barke barke may i request you to read a couple of paragraphs from your book paragraphs which are very dear to you because you've written the book as you wrote and from those paragraphs maybe we'll learn more well it depends okay can we also see your book again oh very nice I should get a signed copy from you soon, yeah? Yes, you will. <laughs> so, this one is chapter 9, Fail Your Way to yes. Success. Okay. Owning your story and loving yourselves through that process is the bravest thing that will ever do. Alan Watts. I stood up on the stage very excited to be speaking at the Excel in London. It was a year before when I knew I was born to empower others through public speaking. And that was when I promised that I would speak at the same venue as I thought that they 
that there needed to be more women speakers. And here I was. It had come true. I was speaking with the best speakers at the Best You Expo, and I had a stand with my banner, business cards, flyers, and chocolates to introduce my name clearly in the field of motivational speaking. I had my dear friends and coaches who had come to support and encourage me. I was so grateful to have them there. Joshua Lee Graham, Safia Mohammed, Fatuka Samabayo, my 